Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the RIP Tour podcast. I'm your host, Ash. Now, we've had recorded yesterday, recording today, uh, two recordings in two days. Who are we over here? Yesterday was so nice, we had to do it twice, but we do have a full house today. I feel like it's first time in a long time we've had everybody here, it seems, but very, very excited for this episode, and we'll get to the ins and outs of the episode first, but let's go over the hosts who are with us today. Tim, what's going on, buddy? Hey, guys. I really want to call you and Gary out for yesterday's episode. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Wow. Wow. What happened? Every time somebody's not on, we're like, oh, hey, we miss you. Did I get that? No, sure didn't. It was like, oh, I I took off of work to do this. Did Tim? No. And that was the end of it. Cool. Thank you. We like to be, we just like to be honest and transparent, I think. That's on the show, fair. Tim, so. That's fair. You know what? I'm not even going to ask you how you're doing today. How about that? No, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect you to, Tim. Don't worry. Wow. <laughs> All right. I'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> and Liz, how you doing? I'm doing well, although it's a little earlier today. Yesterday was a little more in my time frame, but you know, I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah. So for everybody listening, it is 10.15 a.m. So it's <laughs> it's not like 7 a.m., but yeah, Liz does like the uh But it's the Sunday. <laughs> exactly. But it's a special episode. That's why yes, we're all Yes, absolutely. Here. Yep. And finally, Gary, what's going on, bud? I am hyped. It's Sunday. We got Liz up at 8.30 a.m. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, that's us, the boring people out of the way. So we'll get into our our guests for today. Now, it's not just us who are excited for this. We've had so much buzz on our socials for this one. We've teased it for a little while. Uh, we even put questions out online that we'll get to from our listeners as well. But yeah, this is um, what people are looking forward to. So um, to introduce our guest for today, the amazingly talented and friend to the show, Mr. Andrew Stonecipher. How you doing, buddy? Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? You know, there's a little bit of pressure put on me there, Ash, so thanks for that. Um, no, happy to be <laughs> here. Happy to finally be doing one of these podcasts, especially with you guys. Been, you know, listening for a long time now that we're great friends. Um, so excited to kind of share with everybody my journey through Universal and talk horror for a little bit. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. I think that's, that's why people are so hyped for this episode, I think, because you've been kind of on the front line there with the parks and we're, we're mm-hmm. a Horror Nights podcast. So people are looking forward uh, to that as well. But is this the, would this be the first kind of podcast that you've been on talking about things like this? Yeah. So this is the first of this kind, you know, I do some talks with um, my college, with, with the students there and kind of just talk about, you know, more of like business and stuff like that. But this is the first time I'm, you know, with uh, Universal or Halloween Horror Nights podcast talking about the meat and potatoes of the event, the company, my journey, merchandise, all that kind of fun stuff. Awesome. So yeah, we get the scoop. We appreciate you coming <laughs> on here, of course. So absolutely. Let's get, let's get yeah, let's get right into it then. So before we go over, I guess specific questions for you. Let's just mm-hmm. take a step back. Uh, we'll talk about your journey from where you are today. So. Most of the listeners, right, are going to know your amazing work for Universal Parks and for Horror Nights, but how did you get there? Talk about that journey up to up to then. Yeah, absolutely. And right before I do that, I just want to say a quick thank you to to all the incredible, you know, Universal and Halloween Horror Nights fans. Um, you know, the way you guys supported me throughout my time with Universal meant the absolute world to me. And, you know, to be walking in the park and have someone walk up to me, introduce themselves, tell me how much they appreciate a piece of merch or art. Uh, that was the most amazing feeling in the world. And I couldn't have had 
any of my success without you guys. So again, like before we get started on the questions, thank you so much again for everything. You guys are the absolute best. Um, to jump into your question now, uh, you know, just my journey to get to Universal, you know, I born and raised Virginia. Um, my family was one of those families that every year we came down to the theme parks once a year. And it was usually Disney. And then when we got a little bit older, me and my sister, you know, we took the occasional trip to Universal. Um, so my life always surrounded around the theme parks, the movies, the cartoons, stuff like that, the collectibles, the toys. That was my life. Um, you know, it came a point in time when I had to leave home and go to college. And I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, I always doodled and had a hobby of art and enjoyed that kind of stuff. So I was like, hey, I'll give this a whirl. So I originally wanted to go to school for 3D animation and work for Pixar or Disney on that side. Um, I gave it a try. You know, it really wasn't my thing. You know, I admire the heck out of, you know, animators that they can put that effort and love into that craft. But, you know, it, it didn't work for me. So I, you know, kind of changed course a little bit and switched to illustration. And that's kind of where I found my mojo and groove. Um, doing that kind of stuff. So I did illustration for a couple of years at Ringling College Art and Design in Sarasota. Um, and then Universal came to campus and they were recruiting. And um, so I submitted my portfolio. You know, luckily, you know, they, they chose me as one of the, the, you know, participants to bring in an interview. They interviewed maybe a dozen people. And, you know, I, I, that was the first time I met my future boss, Brian Beauregard, who, you know, is, I owe everything to love that guy. Um, so I, I sat down with him, interviewed with him. He gave me the internship. I moved up to Orlando for three months. And during that time was kind of like a year before Volcano Bay was opening. So it was ramping up to do all the merchandise for that. So they put me on that as, geez, what was I? 19 years old, I headed up the Volcano Bay merchandise program, did all that merchandise in three months. And then it was time to go back to school. So I had to go back and graduate. I was devastated because I'd been like at Universal working with this stuff. Now I had to leave. So went back to school, graduated. You know, I'm very lucky that they still had an open position full time at Universal. So I went right back um, where I came from, sat the same chairs, used the same computer, had the same coworkers. So it was like I never even left. And then that is kind of where my six year full time journey started. Um, so that's kind of like in a nutshell, how I got to where I was. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds like you're really honing your craft and finding what I guess your, I guess niche would be in terms of your arts. It's really cool uh, to see that. And obviously universal hitting you up and then just going back to that as well, you know, in a full-time position is really, uh, really, really cool. But uh, Tim. Yeah. We're just going to blast you with questions now, Andrew. How's that? Yeah. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right, cool. So what inspires you? Like, what connection do you have to your art? Parks, movies, nostalgia, collectibles, all that kind of stuff, you know, involved. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically, like, uh, like I said, I'll kind of go back to the question. Number one. I, I grew up on the parks like that. That is where my love is. Um, and that's where I spend all my free time. So, like, I work for the parks Monday through Friday when I was there. And on Saturday and Sunday, I was in the parks having fun. Um, so that is kind of like what it always inspired me. Now, at the same time, I love the movies. I love nostalgia. So anything like retro, I, I always love. And that kind of fuels me. 
And then like, you know, just as a hobby, I'm a massive collector. So, um, you know, uh, statues, toys, like anything like that, I'm always collecting theme park memorabilia. So like what I did at Universal was kind of like the perfect storm of like, it took my hobby of like consumer products, basically merchandise, and then paired that up with theme parks and art. And I did like all of the above. So I had no idea like when I was in college that that was even a thing kind of thing. And it just, the universe just put me where I needed to be. And that's kind of, you know, what inspires me, what, what makes me tick. That's awesome. Uh, so to HHN um, stuff that you've designed. So now, were you a huge fan of horror movies before all of this, before you started getting into any of the, the things you've designed for HHN? So you guys know, um, because whenever there's a horror movie coming out, there's usually a group that goes, and I will very selectively pick the ones to. <laughs> um, I love retro horror. I love, like, obviously the Universal Classic Monsters are my babies. I love them. Um, I love the original Halloween. I love the original Friday the 13th. I love Nightmare on Elm Street. I love Poltergeist you know, killer clowns, stuff like that. That is my kind of horror. When we get into the saw and insidious and paranormal activity, I'm like, I look at the other guys in their office. I'm like, you guys handle this, you know, kind of thing. That is, <laughs> and that is not, that's a little too much for me. Um, so I like more of like the pop culture nostalgia horror. I've always been a fan of that. Um, so to answer your question, yes, but I'm like, I like the more kooky, goofy kind of horror. That's fair. That's fair. like Gary. That's the, Gary's favorite horror too, I think. <laughs> yeah. When, when limbs start getting chopped off and blood is flying, I'm like, Woo, nope, thanks. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you have a history with Universal. Tell us about your history with Halloween Horror Nights prior to working at Universal. Yeah, so actually, th this is this is going to be funny. Listen, you guys are going to get a crack up of this. Um, I had no history with Halloween Horror Nights before Universal. Um, I knew of it. Um, and, and I actually grew up right outside of Busch Gardens, Williamsburg. So they had Hollow Scream there. And, you know, I blame my dad because he took me and my sister to Hollow Scream when we were still in a stroller. And I remember very vividly being traumatized. <laughs> so that kind of <laughs> that kind of ruined it a little bit for me. But I remember seeing the commercials all the time. Like I remember um, always seeing Jack on TV and stuff like that, especially when I also lived in Sarasota because we were still somewhat in the market. Um, but when I first started at Universal, I really didn't get on Halloween Horror Nights for a couple years. I, I handled a lot of the other stuff like Minions and Transformers and a lot of the other corporate. Um, and I was very hesitant about Halloween Horror Nights and, and I'm going to make a fool of myself when I, when I say this kind of stuff, but I would, I, it took baby steps. I, I had to go like to right at opening and I, I did like a lap and when it was light and then I would leave before it got dark and you know, <laughs> and I didn't do any houses and like none of that. And I was like, you know, I, I would talk myself up all day. I'm like, okay, after work, I'm going to go. I'm going to do a lap. I got this kind of thing. In certain scare zones, I would do like almost a full lap, but I would avoid them kind of thing. So um, that was kind of how I started Halloween Hard Nights. And little by little, it, you know, once I got into working on it, it, it that all went away. And I, and I love it now. 
but I was definitely uh, quite the chicken with it at first, um, which is hilarious now that it became basically my bread and butter when with the company in the last couple of years. So funny. <laughs> so obviously we know you've designed a lot of stuff for, for Universal. So we'll want to know a bit more about like the process from like concept design. So Universal giving you the green light to create something to the final product. What does that sort of timeline look like? Yeah. So it kind of depends on what the product is, you know, like certain things take a little bit longer when we're talking about like the studio screamers or we're talking about, um, you know, popcorn buckets or something like that, that, that takes quite a long time. You're looking at at least a year out, um, with t-shirts and stuff like that. You've got a little bit more flexibility because it's, it doesn't take as long to produce, but basically, um, if we're like sticking with Halloween Hard Night specifically, um, you know, like we would work very close with entertainment. Entertainment would kind of like set the set the mood and the IPs and everything. And then they would come to us and we would get told what is going to happen that year. And as a group, um, we would kind of start tackling what we were passionate about. Um, so basically, Brian, my creative director, would come to to Lewis, Jose and myself um, and he would kind of just be like, hey, we this we've got this ip um you know we need kind of like x amount of designs for it x amount of products for it this is kind of like the direction i'm thinking he may give us some reference and we would kind of just run from that and the amazing thing and why i had so much success there was the creative freedom he gave me and the trust he gave me um you know he he believed in us and knew that we knew those properties and those movies and he also knew that like, you know, I was always in the park and I was listening to the fans. And that's a big part of my success as well, is I was always listening and had, you know, I like to be in tune and touch with what the guest wants. So he would kind of just give us that direction and we would run with it. And, you know, I would do a sketch and I would show him and, you know, I'd get the buy off and then I'd kind of go to render and I'd finish the piece. And that's kind of how it was. It was very like low key, no stress. Um, he trusted us, we trusted him, and it was a very tight-knit group. You know, there's only three of us plus our creative director. And, you know, a lot of you guys have come out to the parks so graciously and met us, and we always enjoyed that. But that was the team. And, you know, we were like a family. So, um, you know, we each have our own little skill sets that we're very good at, and we played off of that. So, you know, I was... I always love to do, um, you know, a lot of the characters and stuff like that. And then, you know, Lewis was really great with like blood and gore and he would do a little bit of that stuff. So all together, we kind of like sung as a symphony, if you will. And we knew what the other person was thinking and it was, it just always meshed so well. So it was low key, low stress, you know, he kind of knew what direction we we're going and we would go with it. And, you know, it always turned out awesome. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's nice when you get carte blanche to do a little bit of your own, you know, creative freedom um, and market research. So if you're listening to the guy, what the guests want, it just makes it so much easier um, for you as well. But kind of in, into, well, yeah. <laughs> and you guys, you guys well. are going to tell me as well. <laughs> yes, exa exactly. Exactly. And kind of, kind of come into that as well with the things you've created. I know it's a bit of a, this could be an easy question or a difficult question because I'm looking around my room and i think if we all look around our room we'll probably see a lot of pieces from that you've created but what is your favorite piece or personal that you've created yeah so it would kind of change every year 
Um, I think my first like true love with a piece was um, the Killer Clown Shorty figure in 2019. Just because, uh, you know, I, I'm such a collector of toys and figures and stuff like that. So to be able to create something that I would want to go and purchase myself was amazing. Um, and I love that movie and I love those characters. They're incredible. So that was awesome. That I was, you know, in love with that piece. And it, and it flew off the shelf so quickly, which, which was so cool. I think it was what the most successful figure at that time for Universal and Halloween Heart Nights. Then a couple years later, oh, fast forward actually last year, we I did the Frankenstein popcorn bucket. And that I think takes the cake as my all-time favorite piece that I've done. Um, just because, you know, I designed it in a way where it you could use it as a popcorn bucket, but just at the end of the day, taking the lanyard off of it and put it on your shelf, it just looks like an awesome display piece. It looks like a statue. The quality was so well done, the paint, everything. It like it was a popcorn bucket, and that's what it was sold as, but I knew people were just going to want to display it, you know, and, and that's on my shelf. It's right over here beside me. And, and that's, that piece probably means the most to me out of anything. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I've never eaten popcorn out of it. So I just, just like you said, I use it as like a display <laughs> piece. So you go. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I uh, totally regret not getting the, um, <laughs> the killer clowns one biggest regret ever. <laughs> oh yeah i mean it, it i think it was two weeks that it sold out in so like it was fast i mean nobody that was one where nobody really knew it was going to do that um and that kind of shorty set the stage for what studio screamers could do in the future you know they're two totally different things but it kind of told us that there is a fan base that wants those kind of unique figures and items at halloween horror nights yep do you have a preference, Andrew? Like, do you prefer designing toys and such over t-shirts or do you like t-shirts over toys or everything's all equal? No, I, I definitely have preferences. I love designing toys, um, you know, because it's like I said, it's what I collect. So I'm basically like, you know, making what I would love to, to own and buy myself. Um, I do love t-shirts because there's nothing cooler than walking around in the theme park or Publix or the airport or wherever and seeing somebody wearing a design. Like that is the ultimate, just like satisfying feeling. Um, so I, I would say definitely t-shirts and toys were like my top, um, awesome. preferences to do. Um, and then like popcorn buckets, I kind of throw that in cause it really it's like the same design process for me, like a popcorn bucket and a figure, like I'm still like doing turnarounds of the figures and stuff like that so kind of the same um but but you know it it was nice to always be able to do something different like you know i did candy and then you know um you know a lot of people don't know about this but i did like the the five um well we i think it was 13 but i did five of the 13 new unique wands that came out um a couple months ago oh, in the wizarding world cool. yeah a That's lot of awesome. people don't know about that one um so, you know, that was really interesting and that was fun. And so it was, it helped me appreciate everything equally because it was always something new. I wasn't just working on one thing. only. I was doing mugs and glasses and candy and toys and t-shirts and you name it. Um, so it kept it all fresh. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So we're going to spin this a little bit differently now. So your designs are always amazing, but has there been any piece that's gone into circulation that you just weren't fully happy with? You know, any item in particular that you were just like, oh, man, I wish I could just redo this. I'm probably going to give you a boring answer here. I don't 
think so. And that's just because I'm such a perfectionist with what I work on. Like I, I pride myself when I left Universal a couple months ago. I, I was really happy that I never, ever phoned something in or, or wasn't able to give something 100%. Um, it's a boring question. It, it's not, you know, it's not drama and juicy, but it's, it's the truth. And, um, you know, I, I, I made sure that if I needed more time to get something right, that I went and got it kind of thing. And, um, so no, not really. I, and that's why, you know, my universal experience was so amazing is because I, I didn't really have any regrets and there was nothing that I would like to, to change or, or do differently. Um, you know, sure. Are there pieces that I love better than others? Absolutely. Um, and that just comes with, with the art, you know, and creativity and, you know, not everything turns out the best and it may seem like the best idea. And then something's like an underdog. Like for, for instance, um, when I did the double feature Blumhouse tea last year with, um, freaky and black phone, like that was one where a lot of people, weren't super excited about the idea originally and i was like you know i love black phone i thought the i thought the movie was actually incredible so i was like i'd like to do this and it turned into one of my favorite all-time designs um when at first the idea was kind of like meh you know um so i do have a lot of surprises like that but i don't think i ever have anything that i i see in the park and i i cringe or i wish was done differently that's fair i mean that's a good thing <laughs> yeah thank god yeah Seriously. <laughs> so moving forward to some advice for our listeners, do you have any words of inspiration or advice for aspiring artists who are looking to break into the industry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I always tell uh, aspiring artists is just do what you love and do what you enjoy doing in your free time. So if you have a normal job right now or you're in school, what do you enjoy doing when you're home? Like, do you enjoy going to the theme parks? And if you do enjoy going to theme parks, what aspect of the theme parks do you, you enjoy the most? Is it the merchandise? Is it the attractions? Is it the entertainment? Because, you know, a lot of people just like the umbrella things as a broad, you know, idea, but there's so many nuance jobs within that like when i would tell people i design merchandise a lot of people didn't even know it was a thing um and if it's not the theme parks is it video games like do you enjoy designing video games or characters or telling stories is it comic books is it you know there's so many things to do so that's what i did and ideas and success will just come so much quicker um if you're doing something that you enjoy doing as a hobby because at that point it's not really a job you know, it's you're you're doing what you've always enjoyed doing and what inspires you. And it's just going to be so much easier and, and so much, you know, less stress and pain free if you do that. Absolutely. Do you think there's a certain educational path because you went to Ringling? Do you think that there's a certain track that people can follow to kind of get to where you got to? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm always going to, you know to the Ringling College of Art Design horn because, you know, it, it, they treated me so well and like Disney and, and Universal and Hallmark and Pixar and, you know, every major creative company would come there in person and they'd recruit. So how do you beat that? Um, but I would just say like, what, what path of creativity do you want to go down? Is it film? Is it, you know, illustration? Is it 3D animation? Is it, you know, the, photography? Is it graphic design? Because, Obviously, there's schools that are better at others. Um, 
I went to Ringling because it had a great reputation for illustration and those companies that I did want to work for came there. So that was a big part was like the whole recruiting aspect. Um, that was one of the main reasons I went there and it was on the beach, but, um, mostly the recruiting (laughs) aspect of it. Um, so, you know, I would just like look at what suits your goals you know like i think it's very important to have an end goal when you when you're doing something like this a because like honestly it's very expensive like you don't want to go through that whole journey and like come out and and not be happy with where you place um so you know look at what you 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 know what works best for you financially look what works best for you like end goal wise like if you want to be if we're literally speaking as like a merchandise designer, if you would be a merchandise designer, then go to school for illustration and be diverse. You know, that's one of the reasons I got my job at at uni is just because I could do a lot of different things. Um, you know, if you want to go to school for attractions design and stuff like that and work for Universal Creative, you know, like go down the path of what, you know, best works to get into that door, you know, and, and speak to some of those professionals. Like what I would tell people is like, we're all normal humans. You know, we all... Um, you know, go grocery shopping and have to pump our own gas and like all that kind of stuff. So like reach out to us on social media, like send us a message. Um, you know, there we're, we'll respond to you as long as, you know, we have time and stuff and, and we see it. So like reach out to, to who you admire in the industry. If you, if you admire somebody in universal creative, send them a message and say, Hey, like, I would love to be in a position like you one day, like what advice do you give me or where could I go to school? And, and to get that education and they'll tell you. So, um, you know, I would just say, reach out, ask around and, and follow your end goal of what you would love to do, um, as a full-time career. Nice. Good. That's awesome. So you, you kind of answered this at the, at the very start, um, when you mentioned how it, how it made you feel walking through the parks with, with your designs and, and seeing people wearing them and stuff. But, I'm going to change it a little bit and ask, can you think of one, one memory that that's, you know, sticks in your mind all of the time, um, of seeing something in the park when you merch? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it comes a little bit more to, um, you know, on, I'll, I'll kind of stretch this online as well. So obviously the first time I ever saw my merchandise in public was I, I, I did the stuff for Volcano Bay when I was an intern, I had to go back to school. So but I think Volcano Bay opened grand opened in like may and i was still technically in school at that time and they did a big like grand opening thing on i believe it was the today show um and i remember turning on to today show and seeing al roker and the rest of like the morning panel sitting there at volcano bay like with my merchandise on the table and this was national tv so like that hit me like a freight train i i was in disbelief kind of thing and that was like my first wow kind of thing um but to be honest, like that doesn't, that doesn't shadow over just like walking into the arches during HHN and seeing my shirts everywhere. Just seeing one individual at Publix, like it, you know, my friends, you know, I'm sure get annoyed because they were out just at a restaurant or the grocery store or Target or wherever it may be. And I see somebody with my t-shirt, I still point it out to them. Like they 100% know i I designed that shirt and they probably knew as soon as I saw it, I was going to poke them and tell them I did it, but it's still, it still is an awesome feeling. And, you know, I, it's a little bit more special now that I I've moved on from universal and it's like a great memory for me. Um, but 
you know, other times were also like I was watching Jack Black's YouTube channel one time and he went to Universal Studios Hollywood and he walked into the gift shop and was like, I have to buy a bag. And all of a sudden he just reaches down and picks up this bag and holds it up to the screen. And it was one of my Secret Life of Pets designs. And I lost my mind when I saw that. <laughs> um, so that was awesome. And then uh, most recently, Brie Larson was at the Super Nintendo World Grand Opening in, in Hollywood. And she was wearing one of my designs. And, you know, so there are really cool moments like that when a celebrity or somebody super famous that we admire wears something. But just like I said, walking in the gates, like I, I can't wait to go to HHN in a couple months and just see my past designs, you know, walking around as well as my future ones, because we will have some future stone cipher designs. Um, but Ooh. it's, a, it's, it's <laughs> always, it's always amazing. It's that, that feeling will never go away. And, you know, I always appreciate it. And, you know, I always said for somebody that like, for them to spend their hard earned money on something that I created, like that's special. And that, that was always something I kind of hung on with at Universal and what kind of powered me to, to always put out my best work kind of thing. So um, it, it's always an amazing feeling. It'll never go away. Now, before I ask the next question, I kind of want to segue off of that as well, just because I've been to plenty of your signings, whether it's with Lewis or Jose as well, and Midnight Syndicate, I've been to those as well. Now, yeah, great guys. You've yeah. yeah, really, really good guys, very talented, uh, same as you. Now, you mentioned people coming up to you, and you're just very appreciative of that. A lot of people know you as the artist, but I don't think they know you as Andrew Stoneside for the person, and they don't really see the interactions you have with guests, and I've seen that firsthand. I believe you have a lot of time for people, whether it's the director of the company or a regular park guest. And one big thing I saw at one of your signings, there was a Make-A-Wish family and you got out your seat. You spent so much time with those people. Uh, they were big Horror Nights fans. You really, really made their visit special. Um, and I think you do that with every single person. Can, can you speak to that of how appreciative you are for those people? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I appreciate the kind words and you're bringing that up. It, it means a lot. You know, like it kind of goes back to what I just said about people spending their hard-earned money you know like a couple of these signings we would do uh at during the event right so obviously you have so many choices of being able to go to one of your favorite houses or going to get your favorite food or going to go see nightmare fuel or just hanging out with friends or whatever it may be so for people to take that time and come and see us we were just as excited to be there as everyone else and it, and it meant a lot and and honestly, like I was always fueled off of the support that the the HHN and, and Universal fan base gave me. Like that is what honestly drove me. And for, you know, especially when you're talking about a Make-A-Wish family that comes in, like that's, that is first and foremost, like the most important thing to me, you know. Um, I'll give a little shout out to Give Kids the World here locally. One of my favorite foundations. It's amazing. Um, the, the stuff they do in the theme parks. It's just because if you think about it, I don't want to get super sentimental, but like this was my favorite thing growing up was like coming to the theme parks. So like to see a kid as like one of their last things that they're able to do to like come to the theme park, like that hits home a lot. So, um, and it means a lot. And then you obviously want to make that, that, um, you know, experience the absolute best for them. Um, and the family, because that's what the family's going to hold on to. You know, they're going to hold on to those photos and stuff like that. So it, that's the words don't describe how important that is. Um, but just everybody else, like, you know, if you give me if you can give me your time to tell me something um, like kind words or how you feel about something, then like I 100 percent deserve to give that back to you. That goes 
for social media too. Like I try and at least tell every single person, thank you because you gave me those 30 seconds. Like you deserve to get it back, you know, kind of thing. And, and I think that's important and it, ca- and it creates a relationship between you and that person. And, you know, and that, and that's what the most important thing is, is like relationships and the community. Cause this is the theme park and horror community is very tight knit and like to have that good relationship. And to have that continued support year after year is what is most important to me. So that kind of just like touches on what you were just talking about. And, you know, I always appreciate you coming out, obviously, and and everybody. Um, It always meant the world to me to show up and see a line waiting like this. There's no other feeling like that. And, you know, I I always 100% appreciate it more than I could even tell everyone. Yeah, I think it's such a redeeming quality because that, that's not part of your job description. You don't you don't have to spend time with those people, you know? So um, I think it goes a long way with people um, who appreciate yeah. you as well. So it kind of goes both ways. So I definitely wanted to mention that. Thanks, absolutely. Well. But yeah, of course. Now in terms of uh, an intellectual property, um, what any specific IP that you have, would have loved to design or create specifically for Halloween Horror Nights? Oh man. So if we could just get a magic lamp and wish here, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. Mine came on the radio this morning. I was driving home and a uh, thriller came on. And I oh. think like a Michael Jackson thriller, either house or scare zone, whatever it may be, would be um, like, that would be my ultimate IP. Um, just, we all saw like the party atmosphere that the weekend brought last year. And I think it was the best cue because it's just non-stop dancing and music and it makes the time go by like i think having something to that level with with michael jackson at thriller would be unbelievable um and the 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 music video is so long like the content is just endless um so that would be one uh going back to i love nostalgia like i would love to see like a monster's house like with Herman Munster and Lillian and Grandpa and you know um, that is and not the Rob Zombie one, not the Rob Zombie one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's get that straight. Um, <laughs> the classic, you know, Fred Gwynn, Butch Patrick, Al Davis, uh, Munster's house. It may not be the scariest, but I like I said, I love that kooky style of horror. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to answer what my favorite house is. Cause I believe that's a question coming up, but it's tied to this a little bit. Um, so I would say the monsters, um, you know, and thriller would be, you know, and, you know, shout out to the gremlins, but that's everyone's, you know, like dream house. So I didn't want to be boring and just say that, but I think that'd be a really fun one as well. Yeah, that's a good one. I think more of those kooky houses, those fun houses, they do need one of those every year to kind of sprinkle in. So I think that'd be a good one, the monsters for sure. Yeah, and how about, you know, this is a this will be a, a, a late throw one. How about a Grimace McDonald's house? <laughs> how De- definitely on track. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, think, I, think, the, I, I think a McDonald's house in general will be terrifying. Oh, man. Only if they have the McDonald's, McDonald's in it. <laughs> yes, yes the howling mcnuggets <laughs> we need the mcnuggets all, all around yeah they can be like the gingerbread men from krampus with knives <laughs> yes <in> it. <laughs> it's perfect yeah oh my god um it's funny you mentioned like thriller because we've talked about that in the past as you know we've talked about on the on an episode of like having like what musical houses would you like and michael mm-hmm. Jackson has come up i think thriller would be so good Um, So without giving too much away on projects that you have lined up, (laughs) what is the grail 
IP that you'd love to design from? And it could be anything, not just horror related. Wow. Um, so, you know, for those that, that are listening that don't know, you know, I'm now art director for Roosevelt's. And um, what I'm really excited about with with this opportunity is being able to work on all these IPs that I didn't have the chance to at Universal. Now, I was very blessed with being able to work on some of the best IPs ever um, at Universal and especially for Halloween Horror Nights because it was at one time of year when we got IPs that we didn't have in the parks. You know, so we had Ghostbusters and Stranger Things and, you know, all those kind of killer clowns for outer space that normally we wouldn't be able to work on that we could during that time of the year. Now, being with Roosevelt's now, it opens the door to Disney, and Star Wars, and, you know, Hanna-Barbera and Looney Tunes and all of these IPs that I've always loved and been a fan of that I can now work on. So, um, my grail, I cannot say because I was just able to work on it with Roosevelt's. So stay <laughs> tuned. You'll see that one um, within the next few months. And, and but if some runner ups, um, you know, obviously Star Wars, I'd love to work on. I'm a massive Star Wars fan. Um, so if we're talking non horror, something like that, you know, childhood cartoons like Looney Tunes and Hanna-Barbera, I would love to work on those too. Um you know, I've been fortunate enough to work on one of my favorite horror movies, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and did a lot of stuff on that. So I'm happy about that, you know. And so there's very, there's, there's not a ton, but it's, I would say it's more on the, the non-universal side of what I haven't been able to touch because it's just like green grass now. It's, it's, it's all fresh and new. But my holy grail, my number one that I've always wanted to do, I just worked on. It'll come out in a couple months, so stay tuned. And that's my answer. And I'm going to kind of leave that as a tease. Sick. We can't wait, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. Trust me. It, it's it's going to be like, I'm excited because this role I'm in now at, at Universal, not the seg or at, at Roosevelt, it's not the segue too much, is like, you know, it, it's very similar to what I was doing at Universal. I'm still, you know, I'm now an art director, so I get to, you know, art direct all these other amazing and incredible artists and and kind of like see their vision and how they execute things. But also, I get to throw my hat in the ring sometimes, and I get to design certain stuff. And I still get to see everybody wearing these shirts around the theme parks. Because if you're familiar with Roosevelt's, then you know, like, every time you walk into a theme park, um, you see it. You know, you see the you see the Beetlejuice ones during HHN. You see the Universal Monsters ones during HHN. You go to Disney, and you see Mickey Mouse and Star Wars. So it's something that this community is already kind of, like, getting used to. Um, so I'm just in a different extension of it. I'm still like listening to what everybody wants for Halloween Heart Nights. And I'm kind of taking that information. And I'm adapting it at my new role at Roosevelt. So um, it's very familiar still. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. Nice. Well, I can say that three of us on this podcast will be poorer in yes. the future months because <laughs> so, three of us have so many Roosevelt shirts to begin with already. So. Yeah, we, we are really looking forward to seeing what you do in um, the Florida heat and during HHN during humidity. Oh boy, there's nothing that's cooler. So if you if you're listening and you don't own a uh, Roosevelt shirt and you want for HHN, go get it. You won't regret it. You'll be so much cooler. It breathes, and um, it if, if you do get wet for some reason in the, in this Florida, you know, crazy weather, it dries immediately. So um, guaranteed, you know, that yeah. is guaranteed. Yeah, a <laughs> little bit pricey, but it's well worth it. Agreed. So, so aside from the new IP access that you have at Roosevelt, what's your, what's your favorite part of your new role? 
Um, geez, it's, you know, I think it's being able to now work with artists that I've always admired. Um, you know, as an art director now, I'm, I'm being able to go and I'm being able to reach out to these artists that I've always wanted to work with or that I have their posters up on my wall. Um, and I can now do that. It's really cool. And we've already done it with, um, one or two programs. I, I can't say what they are yet, but, um, I'm kind of, I'm now being able to, to work with other incredible artists and that it's amazing. And, you know, like I love creating artwork, um, but it's, it's fun to kind of like move and, and be the next step up of like art directing your whole vision for a collection. Cause you know, some of these collections we're doing have three, four, five, six designs in it. So like we have more room than just to pick your number one design and do one shirt. We can do six of them and I can get six different artists or a lot of times I like doing one. So like, well, I'll do a collection and I'll take one design and you'll, you guys will start seeing that when I post it on social media here in the next few weeks, you know, my first design I believe comes out in less than two weeks. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but then I can let the other amazing artists, you know, like, you know, they can bring out their, their, goal their their visions and dreams and they can execute it and you know there's a really i've already experienced there's a really like you know proud sense of accomplishment seeing like other people succeed and like being able to push them and like you know allow them to do what they love as well so that's kind of what i've been enjoying recently awesome absolutely so i have, I have one more question based mm -hmm. off Go of that it. is yeah. what what do you think or what do you already miss most about working for Universal? <laughs> you know, it, I think it's going to hit me really hard when, when Halloween Horror Nights um, starts up is just like being, and it might not even be Halloween Horror Nights this year because I, I was still a pretty big part of Halloween Hearts this Halloween Horror Nights this year. I, you know, I left in, in May from Universal. So at that point in time, a lot of the development is already kind of like, coming to an end and, and products are starting to ship to the parks from the factories. Um, so I think it might hit me more like next year when I'm more in like a guest role and like don't know what the IPs are and I'm reading the speculation maps and I'm listening to you guys like what you guys think and like <laughs> I think that's when I'll kind of be like man I wish like I didn't take for granted being in these like these early meetings in like October and November where you learn the, the IPs. You know, and, and then you're kind of like behind the scenes and you kind of get to see what IPs drop off and you kind of see like what Halloween Horror Nights could have been if like this IP didn't drop off or something like that. So I always enjoyed the behind the scenes stuff. Um, and now <laughs> as a guest, um, you know, I won't I won't see that kind of stuff. So I think that's when it's probably going to hit me. Um and that's what I'm going to miss the most. But, you know, like I'm I just got an annual pass and, you know, I've already been a couple of times since I left. And I still have all those relationships, both back of house at Universal and front of house. You know, I still go in the gift shops and say hi to my favorite team members behind the register. And, you know, I still see, you know, my favorite characters and ride my favorite rides. So while it's a little bit different of a role, it's still a very big part of my life <laughs> and what I do for fun. So um, it'd be different if I, I moved away from Orlando, you know, and I didn't I wasn't. I didn't have access to, to go to this place that I spent so much time working for. So I think it'll hit me probably in a couple months to a, to a year from now, a little bit harder than it does now. Yeah. Now you just get to be a fan like the rest of us. Yeah, exactly. In which I was before. So, you know, I've been in this <laughs> position before and, 
you know, with Roosevelt's too, I'm really looking forward to, you know, they sell them in the parks. So I think there will be a full circle moment sometime where I design a, t a shirt for Roosevelt's and Universal Merchandise picks it up to sell in the parks. And then I'll be right back in the parks, but in a different capacity. Uh, so I'm excited for that as well. Awesome. Perfect. So yeah, that's pretty much our questions wrapped up. But we did also get listener uh, questions as well that we'll go over with you. Uh, as well so uh, mm -hmm. josh yeah. jewel yeah they did ask uh, josh jewel any as any art specific artist influence your style at all and what would your dream franchise be maybe not necessarily a single ip but a franchise to get a hold of oh you know for the beginning um part of the question i was always inspired by like um classic animation you know my my style that i love doing the most is like character design you know, like something I, I had pride with at Universal was I was able to do a lot of different designs. Like you would see me do the studio screamers, which was character design driven. But then you would see me do something that was like um, the, the famous like Frankenstein poster T-shirt, which was just a one color white T-shirt that was very graphic. Um, so I, I enjoyed kind of going from A to Z with my styles. But my passion and my love is for classic animation and especially for um, animators and directors like Chuck Jones, who did a lot of the famous Looney Tunes and also did yeah. um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Um, a lot of the original nine old men at Disney, you know, like Ollie Johnson. Um, you know, a lot of the current animators and past animators at Pixar and Disney currently that, you know, I, I was lucky enough when I went to, to Ringling that most of my illustra uh, instructors were illustrators and designers and animators at the Walt Disney Studios and during the 90s, during the renaissance of animation before the uh, studio shut down. So I was taught by literally some of the best artists ever. Um, and those are the people I was admired. So to be like instructed by them at that point was amazing. So, um, you know, I would kind of say that is where my passion lies. You know, obviously, um, if we're naming a couple contemporaries like I love the poster artist, Paul Mann. You know, he does a lot of Universal Monsters stuff that's amazing. Um, Alex Ross is incredible. Um, you know, it, the list goes on and on, but my love goes for classic animation. And that's kind of like what inspires me and got me into this industry um, was the characters and the cartoons and the stories and just the things that um, I grew up on. Alrighty. So uh, Tyler Six asked... Uh, well, he said he loves your art and what favorite piece have you been asked to make, but not necessarily went into production or may not have been made if you're able to answer that? Well, hey, Tyler, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, and also, thank you, Josh, for the previous uh, question as well. Um, yeah, uh, what has my favorite piece I've been asked to make that may or may not have been made? So... The really satisfying thing about Universal was almost every single thing I made uh, hit the shelves. Um, the you know, and there's one thing that I wish could have been made. Like we're you know, a lot of us are familiar with the Studio Screamers, right? So, like obviously there are characters that I wish could have been made for that. You know that either. Um, the event did have um or we didn't have that i just kind of did for fun so you know the thing about the studio screamers is like they um it's a toy that has to get molded it takes a long time to to produce and then has to get shipped here so usually around like 
January or December, we we have to be done and we have to send it to the factories and they have to produce it. So a lot of times, um, you know, there's instances with Halloween Horror Nights where like an IP isn't necessarily locked in at that point in time. So now that I'm saying it, you may recognize that a lot of times with the studio screamers, it's like our own universal owned properties, like the the monsters and the, the icons and stuff like that. That's because like I knew for a fact we could do them kind of thing. Um, you know, what I have loved to do certain IPs, um, like what I've loved to done a weekend uh, last year or a haunting a hill house the the year before, like absolutely, or a Beetlejuice, but like just there's there's certain legal things that come up and you know we can't necessarily um like produce it that early in the timeline so i would say like those are the kind of things that i would if if i could go back and do like it would be that but as far as like there was no piece that ever actually got made that didn't hit the shelves that i really regret if that makes sense yeah, of course. And then Sav, you've already asked, you've already answered this one. So, but Sav asked, and a couple of other people did. You know, best way to get your foot in the door uh, when it comes to doing art for merch and for working for the park. So, if you want to have a listen to what was uh, explained yeah. earlier, yep. yeah, yeah, and, and thanks for that question, Sav. You know, I kind of touched on it earlier, and I, I believe we've met a couple times in the park, and I really appreciate you always coming up and your kind words and your support for us, and. um you know, personally, if you ever have any additional questions or if anybody does, you know, you can find me on social media and ask me those questions. I'd love to, you know, answer them one-on-one as well. Awesome. That's great. And then also Katie also asked, what is one house or IP or even franchise you'd love to create from, but specifically was maybe featured at a prior Halloween Horror Nights that you didn't personally get to work on? Uh, oh, this is tough. Um... You know, obviously, I'd always love in the future or, you know, in another life to have worked on um, Scream. You know, <laughs> that was ever a possibility. I, I love Ghostface. And I, I I just think I could do so many fun things with that character, you know, whether it's toys or T-shirts. Um, but also, you know, I was very young in the company at the time that we had Trick or Treat. And I kind of regret not being able to work on more products for Trick or Treat and Sam, uh, especially because, you know, I think he would have been awesome as a little figurine or a studio screamer or, you know, a plush, whatever it may be. So I would have loved to have worked on him a little bit more. Um, flip side, though, is Trick or Treat was also the very first thing I ever worked on for HHN. Um, I did a pair of leggings for it and it's funny. I still see those leggings walking around the park during Halloween. It has the lollipop and it says trick or treat and has blood splatter on it and stuff. And, you know, and so that was my very first product I ever did for Halloween Horror Nights and, um, come a long way since then, but that was a franchise I'd like to go back and revisit a little bit. Nice. And then the most important question we got, uh, Drew asked, uh, pancakes or waffles? Yes. <laughs> pancakes or waffles the most important question um of the day what's up drew good to hear from your brother um this is tough you know i i think it depends on how the pancakes are prepared you know you can't have them like you know a wet uh flour tortilla but you also don't want a <laughs> hockey puck you know landing on the table as well so I would say if it is the perfect pancake, I got to go with pancakes <laughs> over waffles. Now, 
there's nothing better than like an ego frozen waffle in the toaster either. Um, and shout out, you know, we'll we'll give honorable mention to McDonald's um, uh, pancakes as well because those just hit different sometimes. <laughs> so I didn't know I'd be so inspired and passionate about this question, but I, I think um, pancakes is gonna be my answer. And if that's wrong, I know I'll hear about it from you as soon as this episode comes out. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't expect the most thought invoking question to be pancakes or waffles, but there we go. <laughs> yeah, there that that's it. And don't get me started about the syrup because we'll be here all day. <laughs> awesome. Now, um, every single guest that we get on, we like to do um, some rapid fire questions. Now, we don't have to think about these really in depth. You just have to think oh, of the first thing that comes to your head. There's some fun ones. Um, there's one very important question to us on RIP tour. Very and we've important. also customized it in honor of you to get one very important question for you. And I'll keep that one to last. So are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm basically ready for you guys to judge me over these, what, one, two, three, four, five, seven <laughs> questions. So go ahead, and, and I'm sure everybody will. So let's do it. Okay, then. So favorite house? Ghostbusters. Nice. Scare zone? Killer clowns. Pizza fries or twisted taters? If prepared correctly, like the pancakes, pizza fries. But you got to get them fresh right out of the kitchen. You know, not when they've been sitting there under the heat lamp for a little bit. <laughs> Favorite horror movie? Uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Freddy or Jason? Hmm, Jason. Bill and Ted or Marathon of Mayhem? The first Marathon of Mayhem is the best theme park show I've ever seen in my entire life. Agreed. Uh, original or IP? IP. I'm a sucker for IP. Stay and scream or late entry? Uh, I think at the beginning of the event, stay and scream, but later on, once I've done everything, I'm satisfied, late entry. Nice. Zone or a house? Man. Um... If we're talking Legends Collide kind of house, I got to go with a house. But if we're talking Killer Clowns from Outer Space Scare Zone, I got to go Scare Zone. So uh, <laughs> I I think there's nothing better than just like grabbing food and drink and chilling in a really good Scare Zone. I agree with that. So this is the important one for us. We want to know crinkle cut or straight cut fries. Oh, God, this is what the people have been waiting for. This is what you've been listening for for over an hour is crinkle cut or straight fries. Come on, Stoney. Yeah, we're waiting. Curly, you have no say in this. Um, or shoelace, we don't want to hear about it. <laughs> but the correct answer is straight. Oh, no. good man. No. Yes, good man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this might be the most important question for you. <laughs> Bookies All right. or homecoming? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> Bucky's or a homecoming? More of my money has gone to homecoming. But that's because if a Bucky's was closer, it may be Bucky's. But because it's over an hour away and homecoming is probably within a dangerous five to ten minutes, I got to go homecoming. <laughs> awesome. Thank you.
<laughs> Love it. Awesome. So that is that is pretty much it. So before we kind of wrap up uh, the show, we'll start with you first, Andrew. Where can people find you, interact with you? What, what's going on in your kind of life right now? Yeah, yeah. Come follow my theme park adventures. And soon to be, I'll be posting a lot of updates on merchandise coming out for Halloween Horror Nights and Roosevelt. So that's going to be really exciting to be posting both at the same time. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and I'm missing one. Threads, I guess. The noob threads. We'll see if that takes off. I don't know. Um, I'm not on TikTok. I need to get on TikTok, but I'm not. So Instagram, Twitter are my biggest ones. You can find me, Andrew Stone Cipher. Um, shoot me a message um, and just let's hang out. Yeah, great times. Awesome. And before we wrap up the show as well, where can people find us, Gary? I knew that was coming. We are at RIP to our podcast on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Liz, do we have threads? Yes, we do. We are also on threads. Um, we also have merch. So we have t-shirts on Spreadshirt. And we have buttons to give out this year, this year's event. The chase button is back as well. We have a limited amount of rare buttons. So we will be in the parks. If you tell us the password of the night, you will get one of the rare buttons, which everyone seems to to hunt us for in the parks. And Tim, stickers. Uh, stickers will be arriving Monday, tomorrow. So depending on how these came out, I may get some more for us. Nice. Awesome. So that wraps up everything. We just want to say a huge, huge thank you uh, to Andrew for joining us, not just a talented, talented artist, but also a good person, friend of the show as well. So we always appreciate you uh, coming on as well. Yeah. Awesome. No, and thank you guys for having me. You know, this is my first, first podcast and, you know, I hope to do it again and let's do something uh, again where we talk about just normal universal when, you know, during the holidays or, or something like that. So thanks again for having me. Thanks again, everybody for, for listening. And I will see you in a couple weeks in the fog. Beautiful. And any of you guys, anything to add? Nope, just thank you, Stoney, for coming on. We really do appreciate it. And we love your work, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks guys. for coming no, on. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks for being awesome friends. You guys mean a lot to me. Awesome. Perfect. Well, that's that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the RIP Tour podcast. We're almost there. 45, 46 days now left until to the until the event. So we're almost there. So we hope to see plenty of you in the fog. But until the next episode, bye. 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 See ya.